Welcome to The Nine Podcast, where we take a look at topics that crop up around our work in insight and strategy. Here, we are learning more about what it means to be human and how to improve the human condition. Hey, welcome back to The Nine Podcast. Today, we are joined by Courtney Miner, who is the owner and visual artist at Ronim Art. Uh, she is the lead strategist and owner of Ronim, which is a consultancy that uh, does insight and strategy work. So a very uh, multi-talented individual, and we are lucky to have her joining us today. Courtney, welcome to The Nine Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> so, uh, Courtney, as, as you know, because we've talked about it a little bit, uh, the past couple of weeks we've been talking about these two emotions of Samvega and Pasada. Uh, Samvega being this anguish or dismay that overtakes us when we encounter something that is truly awful in our lives. And it's more than that, isn't it? It's, uh, it's, the, uh, it's accompanied by a recognition that we have in some way contributed to this state of affairs. And what's more, we have this drive to escape it, to get as far away from it as we can, because it is so horrifying. And that's all Samvega. But in addition... There is this other emotion, uh, this emotion pasada, a serene confidence that settles in as we muster the courage to stay and face that samvega, the, to stay in that state of discomfort and to work with it, uh, to work with it because we know that it will bring us some sort of progress, some movement that is critical for us and our development. Um, and so, you know, last week we met with Bhavik Joshi, uh, who is a brand builder at LPK Design here in Cincinnati. And, you know, we talked about the application to brand strategy. And while you are an accomplished brand strategist um, and you are uh, very comfortable talking about that territory, Today, Courtney, I really want to get your perspective as an artist, being that you are a visual artist, and how these emotions fuel or contribute to or in some way intersect with your creativity. So why don't we start there? Courtney, yeah. <laughs> so um, <laughs> why, don't, why don't we start with, uh, first tell us a little bit about just the type of art you do and where it comes from before we get into the whole San Vega and Posada thing. Oh, my. So my art, where do I begin? Um, it just comes very much from my past, my history, all of my emotions. And I think it's because over the years I've had trouble expressing emotion and expressing how I feel to others. 
but when I paint, it just kind of pours out of me. Um, and I do mixed media. Well, I do a hybrid. So my work is mixed media on canvas as well as on clay, but it's much more than that because it's collage with abstract. So when I try to describe it to some people, they all come out with something different. Some say I do abstract portraits. Some say I do collage landscapes. Some say I do mixed media. I could go on and on. Uh, um, the best way I could describe it is a fusion of analog collage meets abstract, whether it's topography or abstract shapes um, that come together to form an image that's been floating around in my head. Um, most of my pieces, I, I layer them. So it can be deceiving when you see them on the website or Instagram because so many people do digital uh, collage and digital mixed media. I don't work like that. So each of my, what I call components, which is my camp, my collage pieces, are miniature versions of artwork I've done. And it, whether it's a hand drawing, a photograph that I've actually digitally changed, and then I keep painting on that digital image, then take a photograph of it or scan it, shrink it down to the size I need. And then I use that, those individual painted or drawn components or just photograph components to create my larger scale images. Um, mm. For the portraits I do, I typically rebuild the person with themselves. And I like to really capture moments that I think exemplify something that they're trying to hide. Um, there's a portrait of my father that I'm actually looking at. And he, he's, I always call it um, an extroverted loner, but he's also a very uh, deep thinker and lots of depth. And he always has these melancholy moments that he tries to hide when people are looking at him. So when I did the portrait of him, I caught him when he thought no one was paying attention. And those photographs I took at a restaurant in Houston became the components of me rebuilding himself. And um, I rebuilt his shirt, his tie, because my dad likes to wear shirts and ties up quite a bit. Um, I exploded his face, um, I exploded his skull, but all the explosions, all the, the different lapsed images of his face in all its different colors was him in different phases of his thought. Um, and I usually do the photographs of my subjects really, really fast. So uh, some photographers adjust the camera and take a long time. Usually my average session with um, the different people I work with is anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes. And I get sometimes four shots, sometimes 15 or 20. It depends on what I'm feeling and the mood I'm in. And then I start rebuilding the portrait and then I'll add other elements. And when I'm done with the final mixed media work, I would say I have anywhere from three to up to 15 layers of collage, abstract wow. and mixed media work. Um, that's why I say when you see it online, it's deceiving because it just looks flat until you see it in person and you see every single layer. And then I typically hide messages in my work as well as I have a fixation with eyes because I believe with you see everything through someone's eyes. Even if they're a master at a poker face or hiding their emotion, you see it through their eyes. And I did that because I spent so many years suppressing so many parts of me. But those people who are intuitive could always look through it 
when they looked into my eyes. So Hmm. you see that repetition of eyes and tears popping up through even my my newer works as well as my older works. Um, Sounds incredibly powerful. Right now, I'm working on what I'm calling cosmic landscapes. Yeah, my pieces are very emotional. They can be busy sometimes. They can be calm sometimes. Um, But I've never had anyone not walk away saying something um, wasn't emotional about the piece. Now, I typically evoke a variety of emotions when people look at my work. Some people get angry. My mother got angry with me (laughs) with her painting because I showed a side of her she didn't really want people to see. Um, Some people I painted, um, they were like, I've never ever been stopped and chosen to be a subject of art piece. And I'm like, that's exactly why I chose you because it's not always about the most loud and the most extravagant. I'm typically drawn to the people who don't want to be zoomed in on because I find they have the most depth. Um, yeah. That sounds incredibly moving. And of course, I've seen a lot of your artwork and uh, it, it is, I think you said that you, you said you exploded the image of your father's skull. It is an explosive feeling to encounter your artwork. It's, it's very special. I would love to hear you explain how these emotions of Samvega and Posada and the, the holding of them together, how that has infused uh, your work and, and how, what it's like to hold those emotions together. Um, how do they inform your creativity and your creative approach? Oh, my goodness. Completely. (laughs) I always joke that I'm truly a hybrid. I always have the light and the dark with me, the sad and the joyous. So when I was researching these terms, San Vega and Posada, um, and I looked at my artwork, I'm like, my artwork is literally the full culmination of both of these together. Um, As I mentioned earlier, when we were just chatting before, um, I remember saying, I'm like, you can't have one without the other. It's a duality. Um, Because I feel like everyone has a duality, but I feel like, especially someone like me, I feel like I'm always battling with what part of my personality is going to come forward. And that's what I express through my artwork. Um, Especially this year, in 2020, it's been a crazy tumultuous year. And <laughs> to I've say the least. ridden a roller coaster <laughs> all the way through it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. I guess the best example of these two ideas and how they truly, to me, are almost like that yin and yang. They're opposites, but they're together, mm. um, is uh, my journal series. Um, and for those who are listening, my journal series is a, um, a collection of paintings that I do that are my stream of consciousness diary notes. Because um, I did it this way because I actually don't have a personal journal or diary. I never got into it. I didn't really like writing in the notebooks or um, anywhere. But I found myself during this time period wanting to get my thoughts out in words versus just imagery. Um, 
So as I think about like the San Vega, the the dismay um, earlier this year, of course, with all the civil rights protests and all the people who have been harmed and all the PTSD, which depending on who you're talking to, it can be post-traumatic slave disorder or post-traumatic stress, both one and the same, especially for the African-American community and the Black American community in the diaspora here in the U.S. and around the world. And I did a painting um, during that time period. And it, I was just really moved because I thought about everything my father has gone through being a black man in this country and my brother. And I remember the dismay when my brother told me that he was having a son. I immediately got scared. I was just so scared. And I was like, oh, it's a boy. And he was like, I know, I know. And it's like this unspoken thing that is among people of color, but especially among Black Americans. Because you, we worry about the whole group, male, female, or however you identify. But especially for those who are Black male identifying, mm. I just, it, I, was so, I was so happy, but I was so scared. I was like, oh my God, what's going to happen to him? Like, will he just be seen as a child and not a black boy who they think will be threatening? Because my, my nephew and my brother, they're very tall, big men. So like my nephew's three years old right now, but because of his height and his genetic history, he looks like he could be five or seven years old. So when you fast forward that to he's a teenager, he'll look like a grown man when he's really just a child. Mm. And so all those thoughts were just going through my head like, what can I do to protect him? And knowing that in this system that we live in, I can't protect him. I can try my best. But at some point, he's going to get that harsh reality that he will be judged by the color of his skin and his build. So as I was thinking about him and my father and what he went through living, growing up in Mississippi, and my brother, where I witnessed it myself, him getting you know, pulled over by police simply because of the way he looked. All of that just poured into that painting that I did uh, earlier this year. It poured into my whole journal series, specifically that one. And that's when I kept harping on, I have to write these words that I'm feeling I have to get it out. Because if I don't get it out, I'm going to scream. I'm just going to scream. So I just kept saying, why can't all of us just see each other as human? Why can't we just be why does why do we have to separate? Even if we have our differences, I find the differences beautiful, but so many find the differences frightening. And so like what I'm saying are that's the actual topography and words I put in that painting. And I remember I, I use contrast paint. Um, so depending on what angle and what lighting conditions, my paintings look different. So I always add two or three invisible layers that you won't see immediately till you change the lighting conditions. And on that, on top of the painting, I just kept writing human, human. And I built an abstract body. Um, the, the, the full, the body from the neck down was my brother's body. And then I exploded the face to be a composite of my brother, my father, other men in my life um, that either are people of color or understand the struggle. 
And I emphasized the eyeballs in that painting. And I made sure to add red streaks and tears of blood. And you could just see the dismay and the anxiety in my artwork and hmm. wanting to, I was screaming through the painting, honestly. So but I, then I have when to, I was I, done, I just got really... But Courtney, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt. I just, I, I want to make sure I understand because what you're describing, of course, sounds like dismay. And yeah. understandably so, right? I, I, can, I, I can feel the anguish. I wonder, though, is it really Samvega because in that instance, how much responsibility did you feel for, for that wrong, for that injustice? How much did you feel some level of complicity in that? Because as I understand it, like if we go to the Siddhartha story, for example, he leaves the palace this life of luxury, right? And he goes out and he sees all this injustice, this poverty, the violence. And he's, he has this moment of, oh my gosh, I, I in some way have unconsciously, I have created this, I have perpetuated this, I have allowed this to happen. Um, and it, it really, it was the anguish itself, but coupled with this measure of complicity and, of course, that desire to escape. I think, Courtney, what I'm hearing from you is that, of course, there's the, that anguish that's so understandable. And I think I'm also hearing from you something about an urge to escape or at least to get this out, right? Um, yeah. I'm having, I'm having a tough time uh, believing that you would experience any measure of complicity in there. You know, it's complicity by default of the culture. So I'm trying to figure out how to explain it. For so many years, people of color, specifically black people, we didn't want to be complicit. Mm. But there's some things that we learned that we have to be complicit with because the world hadn't changed and the world still hasn't changed as we see by recent <laughs> news events. Mm. So it's, it was, I was dismayed and I was, I compartmentalized because there's some things that I know won't change in this world. But then that in turn makes me angry. Like, as I think about there's, because I do have a, a measure of priv privilege by what I do for a living. I think, how can I help? What can I do? But at the same token, it's that devil's advocate that says, even if you do all these things, there's a good chance nothing will change. So it's, it's like a, a constant war in my head of I am feeling complicit, but I also know that it's been four or 500 years of people fighting and complicity setting in and fighting and complicity setting in. Um, so that's what you feel. It's not really complicity. It's a struggle. Yeah. I feel a struggle. Yeah. And I that express that struggle through my artwork, all of it, in different ways. There, I can hear it in your tone of voice. There is a measure of resolve and I would say confidence about what you're doing and why it's so important that you do it. Um, I would think of that as Posada, this, this very determined 
um, what's the word? Um, a calmness about what you're doing, despite, or maybe because of, I guess, what, <laughs> as we learn more about this, um, that that calm is informed by the depth of the anguish that you're carrying. Is that fair to say? That is very fair. It's very fair, because every time I work on a piece, it is, I, I, even if I look serene while I'm paying, painting, there's a chaos going on in my head. But then when I finally realize and see when I've, I'm like, okay, I'm done. I almost feel like it's a tidal wave that just tidal wave that washes over me and I'm just serene. And I feel mm. like I've gotten it out. Um, and that's, and then the other part is letting other people see it. So for like my first few months of painting professionally, which was last year, I wouldn't necessarily let people see my work on a broad scale. And then I was pushed to, you know, show it on Instagram, go to do shows. And now when I've been posting my journal series, I've been getting direct messages to all my different platforms saying, you painted what I felt. Yeah. You, you, those tears are what I feel. Um, I think about the collector who bought the painting I was talking about. He kept saying, I normally don't do this. He said, but, I can't look away from this. I feel all of the agitation, fury, pain, tears, crying, looking at this. And if you're willing to part with it, I would love to have it. And I remember talking to him and because at first I wasn't going to sell it. I wasn't going to sell any of them. But now I almost, I, I actually, for the ones in my journal series, I typically talk to them before I sell and figure out if I want to sell it to them which I know is counterintuitive for a lot of artists. They're like, sell, sell, sell. But for these, because these were so emotionally driven and I'm still doing them, I want to know that that transfer of my emotions is going to some place where it's respected and understood, hmm. which is why I talk to them before I let them purchase. And sometimes I had one person I actually recently, I told them no. And uh, <laughs> my gallery was not that happy about it, but I'm like... I, it's, it's a lot that I have to process yeah. to give them up, you know? Of course. I'm sensitive so, about my art. Yeah, no doubt. So Courtney, for, for anybody who's interested in checking out your art or maybe picking up a piece, what are some, uh, destinations that you can have them visit to learn more? Oh yeah. Um, if you're looking for original works, um, you can go to sachiart.com and I believe backslash the Ronum art, or it could be Ronum art. Um, you can also go to Singulart, uh, dot com. Um, they, that's the two galleries where I sell my original works. Um, I will say when I am working on something that's brand new, I typically post to my Instagram, which is um, the Ronum art. So the, then R-O-N-I-M art. Um, and that's how some people have been able to get pieces before I've even put them on my galleries because they direct message me or email me asking for a painting. And then I don't even put it in the gallery. I just sell it to them directly. As well as mm. if you want prints of my work, direct message me on Instagram or email me and then I will, will, will talk from there. Um, and then I'm also going up into a new show with Showfields um, 
on, oh, I can't remember the date, but I'll, I'll give it to you. But it was, it's going to be in the first week of November. I'm going to be part of a group show with Showfields, um, curated by a, a wonderful writer here in New York City, um, a woman of color. So I'll send all that information out. Right on. And then in next spring, I'm going to be in a few shows um, with the other art fair, as well as with a few galleries in Yonkers. Well, you all heard it here. Make sure you check it out and support Courtney in, uh, in what she's doing and pick up some beautiful art while you're at it. Courtney, I want to thank you for joining us here on the Nine Podcast. It has been a treat. Oh, thank you for having me. I hope I didn't bore anyone. <laughs> Quite the contrary. Take care, Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening to The Nine Podcast. To learn more about Nine, check out our site at ixcompany.com. Hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe and tell a friend.